you're listening to the Fearless Business Podcast. You're in the best place to learn about how to grow a business, get more clients, and make more money without fears and limitations, all while having fun in the process. Robin Waite is the founder of Fearless Business, a business accelerator helping coaches, consultants, and freelancers double their income and more. Now here's your host, Robin Waite. Welcome back, everybody. It's the next episode of the Fearless Business Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Waite, the Fearless Business Coach. I've got a fantastic guest on the show today, uh, Tara Halliday, who is a specialist in uh, imposter syndrome and neuroscience and all sorts of fun stuff like that. Welcome to the show, Tara. Thank you very much, Robin. Delighted to be here. Awesome. We're going to dive straight into it because there's probably some people listening to this going, what on earth is neuroscience? What on earth is imposter syndrome? Perhaps you can give us a quick insight into uh, both both of those things. I know they're very complex, but let's see where we go with it. Let's start at the high level. Yes. Yeah. So neuroscience is basically the science of the brain. And uh, and so there's all sorts of ways in which the brain and the what we think of ourselves and our identity all kind of merge together. And the neuroscience is kind of unpicking that so we can understand it more and we can make the changes, the positive changes that we want. Imposter syndrome is the secret feeling of being a fraud when you're not. And, and it's the fear of being found out. And it affects 70% of high achievers at some point in their career, men and women equally, but most people keep it a secret. And so it's only something that's starting to be talked about a bit more now. Why, why do you think it is that people keep it a secret? Because they think it's them. They think it's a personality trait or a character flaw or a weakness, and it's not. And because that they're, they're reluctant to share it, they don't want anyone to find out that they have this so-called weakness. And it turns out that it's not a weakness at all. It's I was going to say, because quite often it's, you know, they may think that they have a weakness in a specific area, but everybody also has superpowers in, in other areas. So yes. what's the sort of process which you, you, you go through with um, the people that you work with to start to, well, one, one recognise imposter syndrome and, and then start to unpick perhaps why it's happening and what to do about it? Mm, okay, yes. Yeah. So there are some people have a feeling like I definitely feel like a fraud. I feel like I don't deserve this position, this success, because it happens to very successful people and their fear that, that people will find them out. So that's one thing that they, you know, directly uh, experience. Others just see it in terms of their um, behaviors. So if I can share, actually, I've got a list if that's okay. Please do. These are the classic imposter syndrome behaviors. Uh, we have uh, on, on the red side, we've got procrastinating, deflecting praise, like everything that you did was due to luck, avoiding a view, avoiding a new role, a promotion, uh, going for another job, hiding, not expressing your opinion, uh, lying, which is a kind of a de defensive um, covering up, hoping to see people don't find you out, and the secrecy I mentioned. So those, those behaviors are all about trying to stop anyone finding out that you are a fraud. And then you've got other behaviors which are comparing yourself to others, which is comparing how they look on the outside to how you feel on the inside and, and, and the stress with the gap. Perfectionism, 
uh, not having enough, you feel like you don't have enough qualifications, even though you have loads or experience, even you have loads and and pushing through. And all of those are trying to kind of make yourself be better because you don't feel like you're good enough. And I think one of the things, so obviously we work a lot with sort of coaches, consultants and freelancers. And I, I think um, um, many of the things which you've just listed off there, they have quite, they create quite a lot of emotional trauma, I think, within people, don't they? And it starts to make the, bus- the business of doing business like quite exhausting when you're kind of not just, you know, trying to, you're trying to grow a business, but then you've got all of this stuff going on behind the scenes. Um, what, what's your kind of experience in that? Uh, it absolutely does that. Um, all all of these all of these behaviours you, you can layer on top of that judgment. So I shouldn't do this. I should be better. I should do it differently. And what that does is cause you stress and anxiety. And and it and it triggers. This is where the neuroscience comes in. It triggers the nervous system into fight or flight or freeze mode. And and so you you've got this large amount of energy that you're spending just to try and keep yourself calm let alone get on with your business it really is something that can hold you back and so the neuroscience part of it because i mean people have only been talking about what it feels like it neuroscience like for the last decade probably not even that many years so you know i think we've known about imposter syndrome for a little bit longer than that it's been more broadly spoken of but where, where did the link between the neuroscience and imposter syndrome kind of kick in um, it kicked in for me when I was um, training people in neurofeedback, so, which is where you're sat in a, a, in a darkened chamber with electrodes on your head. We're measuring your brain waves as you're going through a belief change process. And so in, 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 in finding out what that is doing and in exploring how the brain changes when you do a very powerful letting go process, for example, that's when it's very clear that the, that the um, link is between the, 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 the stress we feel and the beliefs that we hold. The, 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 the belief that underlies imposter syndrome creates a large amount of physical stress and emotional stress as well. And I'm, I'm guessing like when you've got somebody who's kind of walking around with this big sort of physical and emotional stress, they're carrying it around with them. I'm guessing that that shows up in the workplace in quite a negative way as well. It can do. So it can make people um, reactive. It can make people um, uh, fearful. It can make it can stop them. So so it feeds into all those behaviours we talked about. Um, but what it also does is. Uh, the fear when your brain, when your body is in that fear state or that anxiety state or that frustration and overwhelm state, that's the fight, flight and freeze. When it's in that state, then the brain, the blood flow to your brain changes because your body is getting ready to escape a danger like a tiger in the room kind of thing. And um, what happens is the blood flow changes out to your muscles so you can respond and it drains away. It, go, it doesn't go to the front part of your brain, <laughs> the, the prefrontal cortex. And that's the logical planning thinking process. So you literally can't think as well. So people have, you know, uh, mind distraction. They can't focus. Their mind goes blank. 
and that, that so it can have a significant effect in how you show up in in your own business and, and at work yeah and so I've heard um several people say you know imposter syndrome syndrome is almost the wrong word for it because a syndrome is something that we would um sort of go and see the doctor about it's more of an Ill, a known illness than it is you know a medical condition um so that there's this kind of notion that imposter syndrome is kind of this thing which actually doesn't really exist i'm being deliberately challenging here because mm-hmm. i think it's really useful to dispel some of these myths yeah. but you've got this thing that kind of doesn't really exist so what you've just said there is this this thought process this syndrome that doesn't really exist that we kind of make stuff up we create these belief systems drains the blood from our head because of that that you know uh, fight flight or freeze and then when it comes to actually making sensible decisions within our businesses, we can't do that because of this thing we've made up. It's all a bit higgledy-piggledy, isn't it? Yeah. So so it's um, so the imposter phenomenon was it, it was originally a call, but I suppose that's too many syllables. So it, yeah. it okay. <laughs> and that was back in 1978, and and it was it was casually called imposter syndrome, and it has stuck. I don't think anyone can change that. Absolutely, it's not. It's not a, a a syndrome. It doesn't need medication. It doesn't need psychotherapy, but it does exist. And, and, and what it is is there's an underlying belief about our worth that our worth depends on what we do. That our worth is conditional. So you can see if you do something good, you feel like I am good. Right? There's no separation between action and identity, and that's really the problem of imposter syndrome. And it's not self-doubt in the terms of um, doubting your actions. So you can doubt your actions. I made a decision uh, in on reflection. Is that a good or bad decision? I'm, I'm not sure. That's just self-reflection. Rather than doubting yourself, doubting your worth, doubting your identity, am I good enough? And, and culturally, we put those two together. So when we talk about self-doubt, we mean both. And then people say, well, everybody has self-doubt. Well, everybody questions and reflects, but that, that doubt of am I good enough or that fear that you're not good enough, even though you've got all, this, all that success, that is imposter syndrome. Do you, I, this is possibly a slightly random question, but do you think there's also a link? If somebody has like generally negative tendencies or generally positive kind of thoughts, do you think that um, influences whether somebody would end up having sort of issues around imposter syndrome, self-doubt, you know, low confidence and things like that? Yeah, so um, you've got a few things in there. So imposter syndrome isn't a lack of confidence, when you speak to someone with imposter syndrome and you say, you know, tell me about your successes and what, what you've done, you know, they can list their strengths. They can list their successes. They know that they are good enough. They have enough um, confidence or trust, if you like, in their ability to get things done. They're competent and capable. So it's not low self-esteem and, it, and, it, and it's not, um, not low confidence. When it comes to the kind of positive and negative thinking, um, that tends to be more of a, a mindset issue, which is, and, and that's absolutely something, it's at the, it's at the boundary, if you like, between the, the, the conscious mind on the surface and the unconscious mind underneath. And the, and the mindset is, is the back bit where you can consciously dig in and, 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 and shift at the very surface level. But the belief about your worth is an identity level belief, which is deep in the unconscious. So most people wouldn't even 
necessarily realize that that's what driving it all that they see is that I deflect praise I don't I don't own my success I I um, have this cycle where I'm perfectionist um, and then I overwork and to stop me overworking then I procrastinate and then do everything overnight the day before <laughs> so so it, it, it's a driver so uh, one of the things which I talk a lot about is um well pricing and money okay and that money blueprint obviously as we know is kind of developed in our childhood sort of between the age of about three and seven I'm guessing as well that self-worth and that what some of the things which you just expect, you know, described there around imposter syndrome are developed at quite a young age, probably a very an age where a lot of the time we may not even be aware of what's happening around us, what's being said to us, but we're taking it all on board. Yeah, absolutely. So there, there is a point in a child's development between 18 months and three years old where they become aware of themselves as being separate from everything else. Before that, they're, they're, they're the same. So they, they, they don't see a distinction. So if you tell a very young child, no, don't do that, <laughs> that's bad, as in you've done something bad, you've done something wrong, D don't walk out in front of that car, that kind of thing. If you tell them that, they don't understand it as being any different from their own identity. And as they become aware of themselves as, as a separate being, unless they're very specifically taught you're, there's a difference between your actions and your worth, then that actually, that idea just, just carries on, that belief carries on, and that's the belief that's setting it. So that what drives it fundamentally is, is there by the time you're three years old. Gosh, so then, so by the time we get to three and we start to get into the money blueprint, it's gone from, I'm not, uh, what is it? So um, you've got the core belief systems there around their, how they value themselves and then it starts to turn into well how do other people value me yes yes and it, and 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 that and that valuing of 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 you and then you have all the influences all the beliefs from your own family um from the tv from your peers from your your social environment and and you learn what money means to you and it, you learn what money means about you and very often you'll tie it into your worth it's, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, we've already got some great comments coming through as well, so I'll have to check back on those a bit later. But um, uh, in, in terms of how did you get into sort of understanding? Uh, oh, no, before I go into that, before I go into that, Tara, let's just, there was one thing which you slipped in about 10 minutes ago where you said about a letting go technique. So that's the point where obviously you've identified that imposter syndrome is there, somebody's struggling with it, and right now's the time to let go. So what is, what's the letting go technique you mentioned? Right. That's, I'm really glad you caught that. Um, so there, there's two ways to deal with imposter syndrome. One is managing it. And, and that is calming the nervous system, as, as we mentioned, calming the behaviors and calming the, the, the triggers for it. To get rid of imposter syndrome, you need to change that underlying belief. And that letting go process is the key to that. What happens when you when you have a belief? It's if you imagine it's it's like a little little ball, and um, we we have this thing called confirmation bias. Where when we ha when we have an experience, it kind of that matches that belief or supports and reinforces that belief. It layers on top of it, and so you get this series of layering on top of it, which is why deep identity level beliefs 
are hard to change because they've, they've got all this experience that, that, that confirms that that belief is true. So the letting go process allows you to take away some of the, you know, very often they're driven by pain or, or mild traumas or something like that, discomfort for sure. You take them away a little, a little at a time until you get to the underlying belief. And that's not as long a process as it sounds. I know in transformation, people talk about peeling an onion and it goes on forever. Uh, this isn't something that goes on forever. And, and, and the key, the, the shift in it is self-acceptance. So that's, if you're looking for the fundamental key to get rid of imposter syndrome, it's self-acceptance. And that you do with the letting go process and self self acceptance can you explain a little bit about that like how 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 what does self acceptance look like how does it what does it how, what does it feel like it it feels peaceful it feels like uh it, it feels like you're fearless Right, but but not in a way like your Superman standing <laughs> with your hands on hips and you know being so strong, but it feels like you can cope with whatever comes up. Right, if someone if someone disapproves of you, you can respect them for having that opinion. That's fine, but it doesn't it doesn't touch you because you accept yourself. Um, if 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 something happens, if you make a mistake, if something goes wrong, and some things can go badly wrong it's that it's that idea that I'm fundamentally okay nice and um there's something which popped up when you were saying that as well about because I think there's a con a converse to like imposter syndrome which is kind of like I guess it's like a superior superiority complex or something like that where you think you're better than you actually are so imagine as a coach or consultant freelancer where things have been tracking along and going really well and you're kind of like confirmation bias kicks in and yes, I'm really good. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden clients stop showing up, for example. And now all of a sudden it's like, but I'm really good. I've been doing all of the things. Like, why is this happening to me? Yeah. Are, are the two things linked? They are, but not in the way that I think you might think they are. So um, believing someone is superior and believing someone is inferior are actually both sides of the same coin. They're the same thing. So the, the feeling of being superior is, is not self-acceptance. It's, it's just another manifestation of the belief that my worth depends on what I do. And because things are going well, then I am good and I am better than other people. And then when things are bad, going well, uh, go, sorry, going badly, then I am bad, I am wrong. And then I feel inferior. So that the, so that that felt again. That felt to me like there's this mask which we create for ourselves, and obviously that's linked to your title of your book, unmasking, which is like we we never. I hate I hate the word like being authentic, but like it sounds like you know if seventy percent of people are walking around with imposter syndrome, there's this element. Seventy percent of people are out there not really being truly authentic to themselves and not really kind of putting themselves out into the real world as they want to show up, as they want to be seen. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And then I, I think the key to that is, as you say, is not being true to themselves. You know, authenticity, there's, you know, people talk about being vulnerable, being openly vulnerable in a positive way. And that's kind of showing who you are. But authenticity, I think, is a, is a very much alignment with who you are, an inner congruency, if you like. And, um, and, and, that's, and that's really where... Um, what you do comes out of your values and 
and and it's all okay so that that acceptance level on top of that as well um i'm curious have you had or struggled with imposter syndrome I have imposter. I have had imposter syndrome um, when I just graduated from university. Um, I was an engineer. I was an engineer because I wasn't allowed to be a psychologist. So okay, all right. <laughs> I applied to General Electric um, to be to their graduate trainee program, and they and they and they say no. They, they did a psychometric test and they said uh, uh, we want you to join our fast track management scheme graduate scheme. And I went, oh, no, oh, my gosh, that was my imposter syndrome. Because for me, it was all around leadership and, and because I didn't know how to do that. And nobody told me it wasn't me. And so what I did instead is I, I told myself that that sounded boring. I had no idea that this was imposter syndrome. And a friend of mine was doing a, a PhD. And I thought, oh, well, if I can do it, so if he can do it, so can I. And I went off and did a PhD in engineering. So that, that was my imposter moment. And that's that avoiding behavior that I mentioned from, from that list. And I definitely seen Oh, that. so going off to do the PhD, kind of doing, doing something completely different to what, so you had people saying, you should really do this. This would be really good for you. And you went, no, don't believe that. I'll just go over here and do something else. That's it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And what you'll see with people who are um, uh, in, so in, in terms of individual entrepreneurs, they, they, they won't go for a particular contract or you'll see it. Um, part of the avoiding is, um, you know, they, they um, won't ask for enough money for it, even though they're worth it. Um, or they won't go for a promotion or, 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 or a regular job unless they, they can tick every single one of the items on the ideal candidate list. Ah, so there's a little bit of perfectionism kind of creeping in there as well. Okay. Yes. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of these, you know, they, they co-mingle. They're all, they're all tied up together. And, and that's one of the reasons that people think it's, it's part of their personality. It's part of you know who, who they are and and it's not when you see it as just a symptom all those beliefs as, as sorry all those behaviors as just a symptom of that underlying belief then you can take away that judgment element which is pretty, pretty strong in imposter syndrome and and start to relax and and that even just relaxing and not judging yourself so much you're already going right down that route of self-acceptance which is you know fabulous so what when did you start to kind of weave neuroscience into this so i published my book unmasking in um, beginning of 2018 and i had started doing the neurofeedback training and decided to get really into that and so between um then and, and the following 18 months i basically did a deep dive into neuroscience and that's when things started coming together in terms of, you know, the brain patterns and what triggers the fight, flight and freeze and how the belief system manifests in, in the brain and that, that triggering system. So. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we've got somebody like you around, Tara, who can actually start to kind of unpick this. And I know pretty, you know, there's a lot of business owners that I speak to. And one of the first things they say to me is I've got, you know, I've got imposter syndrome. I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to write the book. I don't want to do the video. What will people think of me? And I think it's, it's like you said, what's that you've said the stat, 70% of business owners struggle with it and yeah. it, it's rife. And there was, there was some other things that I was interesting, interested in as well. Cause you mentioned something, um, we talked about and we caught up previously was about bullying in the workplace and how this actually links 
in, into the whole sort of imposter syndrome neuroscience side of things as well. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so so there are there are some of the there's triggers for imposter syndrome. So you know we we can experience it going up and down. Basically, sometimes we feel it, and sometimes we think it's gone away, and then it comes back again, and and it comes back in repeating cycles. And, the, and, the, and there's a trend there, and so it tends to get triggered by situations of high challenge and low support. And if you take that to an extreme, you know, an extreme of low support, then that is a is a toxic work environment. So that's that bullying situation. And so um, bullying, you know, a, a toxic company culture can increase imposter syndrome uh, or trigger it and make it make it um, become something that's, you know, very significantly affecting your performance, your your and your your company's profitability. So one of the things which crops up for me there is because, again, this, this is something which is or the version of this, I think, in the small business community is that, um, and I'm going to say something probably possibly very controversial here, the coaching space that both you and I work in is, I would say, 80% snake oil, 20% like genuine, amazing coaches who transform people's lives. And unfortunately, the 80% of the snake oil salesmen out there who are selling some form of a coaching program, like transformation program, uh, are unqualified and they're just out to take people's money. And I actually think in majority of small business owners, they see that and that's what's, you know, that's that's bullying at a very high level. If you think about it, they might not be calling you names and poking you and, you know, things like that. But but they make many business owners feel very, um, very belittled, like, you know, because they, they make them feel that just because they're not running a seven figure business, that they're not adequate. They're not good enough. And I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do it. That's something which I would love to change in our industry. But what are your thoughts on that? I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the um, most difficult things for imposter syndrome is that comparing comparing how you know others on the outside how successful they look and how you know that self-doubt or lack of self-acceptance on the inside and then and then it exacerbates it when you've got these people who are you know out and out lying saying oh yes I I did a six six figures in in one month from a standing start and you know this it it's, it's a it's a very hyped up very um um greed focused I think and I, I think it taps into you know people's desire to be um, valued and then they see other people who are clearly less qualified and clearly not doing it, but but you know announcing that they they're these super high paid people so I think yeah absolutely anything we can do to say actually no that's 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 not the norm and that's that's also that's not reasonable you know these people are trying to you know pull one over on you and that's that's one of the reasons that you know you know facebook and a lot of time linkedin and instagram you know when they when they have those people speaking out like that making a lot of noise it it will feed into that doubt by comparison oh well, that's not what i charge yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah. and it's it's very destructive it is it is absolutely a form of um um bullying indirect bullying i guess yeah. it is but by by not being truthful 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's something I would love to chat. I mean, it's, it's, I suppose it's the the danger of kind of working in an unregulated industry, which we do in the coaching space, you know, yeah. but what, what could you do about it? I mean, it, it would take a, a fairly massive movement, I think, to get everybody, you know, um, onto some kind of a database and get everybody accredited and actually start to make waves in that respect. But I suppose the message there it kind of in short is not to believe or well, maybe not listen, but maybe don't believe everything that you hear or read on social media, for example, because I could go out and be you know, Hey, I've a million dollar a year coaching practice. And like, I suppose, unless anybody looks at my business, my bank account, they're not going to know, are they? Like it, it, it means nothing. But in that moment, it, that element of doubt is what mm-hmm. starts to feed, like you said, feed the, the sort of the, the negative um, self doubt, which maybe people experience. Yeah, that little seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Absolutely. Um, you, you're. What are you working on at the moment? Obviously, um, you've got uh, a wonderful imposter syndrome quiz, which I think our listeners and viewers can um, go and check out. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the, that's a free quiz. That was actually the original um, uh, um, survey quiz, if you like, that was that, that was used in the research when imposter syndrome was first discovered back in 1978. So it's a, it's a classic one. And there's a, a, a free personalised report if you if you want, you can get that with that as well. Um, what I'm working on at the moment this September, I'm actually uh, launching the first of my coach training programmes. So this is, I've, I've been doing this very powerful eight-week programme that gets right to that core of, you know, the, the belief that underlies imposter syndrome and, and, and changes it around into a self-acceptance. So I've run that as an eight-week programme for um, C-level executives and founders over the last couple of years. And, and this September, I'm going to be teaching it um, in, in a 12-week programme, which is um, ICF, International Coaching Federation, accredited as well. So Amazing. Well, I, I, and who's, so you mentioned that's for um, uh, CEOs and founders. So uh, could I, is that something which other coaches um, might want to be might want might want to get involved with as well? Yes. Yeah, so, so the eight week program is is the one to one thing I do with the with the C level executives, and and the coaching program is for coaches to train them how to do that eight week program for gotcha. all of their clients. Yeah, and that's going to be a twelve week program, and and the philosophy in there as well is you you can't take somewhere you have someone somewhere you haven't been yourself in yeah. a coaching sense and so um the the program is 12 weeks because they actually go through that eight-week program themselves experience it they're, they're their own case study and they see uh, others in the coaching group go through it so they learn from each other in that so i'm very excited that's that's coming up at the beginning of september oh good i'm not surprised you're excited it sounds fantastic so uh, and on the note of like having to have experienced um, it yourself uh, in order to propel you into the future, we're actually going to go in the fearless business time machine. Um, uh-huh. You get to put in the the, the year that we're going to go back to, and you're going to have a word with Tara T minus X years. So when is it? And what would you say to her? Let me see. It, the, the, the year is... Um, I'm going to have to work it out now. The year is 1998. And that's when I first started doing some work around beliefs, changing beliefs. And I, I was doing, and I, I spent quite a lot of money on this training program, um, all, all about beliefs, which was which was good, but only took me so far because the neuroscience wasn't around to understand beliefs at that point. Um, 
And I think the key, I think one of the message to me would be the key is self-acceptance. That's it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so why, I'm going to probe. Why, so why, why is that? Why did you need more self-acceptance in, in 1998? Uh, it's, it's not so much that. It's that right now, that the, the solution to all of my transformational growth and seeking and, 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 and trying to be, you know, better at helping other people, more relaxed, everything like that. I've only recently come across the key in the last few years. And that key is that self-acceptance, which is a sense that your worth is unconditional. So you know, I'll, I'll leave my younger self to figure out the way there. maybe that's it I think that's part of what it is too many people I think in this day and age expect to be handed the blueprint and to be like told how to do stuff and actually quite often we need we need the end we need to be given the end goal don't we so that we can then start to reverse engineer it and you know map our own pathway through it so that that, that's a really powerful message it's fantastic I love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's there's many 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 paths to where we want to go absolutely awesome well we've already come to the end of the interview um tara so i'm hugely grateful for you for joining us today talking about all things imposter syndrome we'll make sure that everybody does go and download the quiz and fills it out and also we'll pop a note um or pop something in the show notes as well to link through to unmasking which is your amazon bestseller which came out three years ago as well fantastic book if anybody's interested thank you tara really appreciate you giving up your time to come onto the podcast absolute pleasure thanks ever so much robin 